I know if you have lived for the Lord a little while, you have found yourself thinking, okay, now I'm expecting God to do this, 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 and this, and instead that, 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 and that happens to be happening. What's going on? And then we begin to find out whether it's whether we're going to dig in and get to know God better. And if, I have good news for you. Uh, if you haven't been through that, you will. That's not the good news. The good news is that out of that, you get to know the Lord quite a bit more every time, every time. Um, it is so great. Some of us have lived for the Lord a long time, and the fact is that since he is infinite, it's almost like we know less about him after 50 years of seeking him, really kind of being on the trail. And after God, we know less now than then, except, of course, that's not true because we know we know more. But there's just, there's more. There's always more. So open your heart and let the Lord, uh, during difficult times, difficult times, just show you exactly what he's doing and saying. And if you wonder why I keep looking at my Bible, it just came apart. And I wasn't ready for that. It's, the cover looks good. <laughs> Maybe they'll rebind it. If not, I'll save up my coins and get another one. Or maybe it's just time to go to the, the real book. Philippians 4, beginning with verse 4, is a wonderful, wonderful passage of um, Paul writing to the church that he is responsible for starting he when he when he went in there to found this church um, he exorcised the uh, the demon out of a a girl that had a demon that helped the owners foretell the future and, and I don't know exactly how that worked but he he exorcised that demon and made the owners of the slave girl mad because this is the way they made money. So they dragged Paul and his companion Silas before the magistrates and in kind of a mob violence thing, uh, the magistrate had them beaten severely and then they were locked in the in the inner prison, in, in the dungeon, and their feet were put in stocks, which is were not really made to hold you securely. They were made to punish you, okay? So they were in a lot of pain. And about midnight, uh, they were singing praises to God. You, did you hear that? Now, their backs are are all messed up and up on the back of their head and down below their waist. Cuts, cuts. Uh, Serious tears in the flesh, uh, clotted blood, serum seeping. Uh, I don't. I'm not trying to make you sick. It just. It was a mess. They were messed up, and um, so in that they were rejoicing in the Lord, singing hymns, praising God, 
and no one in the jail was uh, was sleeping because they were making all this racket. About midnight, a seismic action occurred. That's translated as earthquake, honey. Shook that place. And uh, miraculously, all the doors in the jail just came unlocked. All the chains, many, perhaps all of these prisoners had chains here. And Paul and Silas had them here and stocks. All that stuff fell away. Uh, The jailer, rather than being publicly dishonored for losing all the prisoners was going to take his own life, and Paul stopped him. The story is that none of the prisoners had escaped. Um, This jailer took them to to his house, cleaned up their wounds, gave them food. Everyone in the house believed in the Lord Jesus and were baptized in water. Great night. Awful price to get there. Awful price from our perspective. So this is, this is the place where Paul and Silas had started this church. And so later Paul is writing to this church now. And uh, the letter to the Philippians is called, you know, it's considered the happy letter. <clears throat> um, and it's just, it is just loaded with this joy Business And, of course, the second chapter of Philippians is where we have what is known in theological circles as the kenosis, which means the emptying, where uh, Jesus Christ, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, made himself nothing, taking, you know, emptied himself of all his prerogatives as God and became human, became a servant, became a crucifix, and... uh, became an item of resurrection. And because of his faithfulness and the effectiveness of his work, uh, God raised him up, that it, that it gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, heaven, earth, under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's just, this, that's, who, that's where we are, and this is the book. So over in the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 4, We read, rejoice in the Lord always. And uh, that is a, that is in the original language, that is a present imperative, which uh, would be accurately translated, keep on rejoicing always, continue to rejoice. It's, it's the present in the original language, the present tense is, is what we would call present progressive. It's ongoing action in the present tense. And so this is, keep on rejoicing in the Lord always. And he says, I'll just repeat myself. Rejoice. Now, what, what's going on in your life that would keep you from rejoicing? Well, we could reel off a list of stuff that we don't like. It might have to do with people we want to be saved. It, you know, it, it, it's not that we're all cranks or anything. At least I'm not a crank. But anyway, uh, it's, unless my Bible tears it. But but other than that, uh, we have these things 
that would keep us from rejoicing. And so what does the Lord say about that? Keep on rejoicing all the time. And if you didn't get it, I'll repeat it. Rejoice. Uh, now, that seems narrow-minded, and we want, and I've, I've, I've got dear friends, and those of us who have messed around in uh, behavioral sciences say, well, you've got to be real, you've got to, you know, this and that and the other thing. Of course you've got to be real. If you hurt, you hurt. If you're sad, you're sad. If you're, if you're grieving, you're, you're grieving. Barb Davis ought to be grieving. She ought to be dealing with a hole in her heart for the loss of her sibling and her mother. And we've got others that have had deaths recently in the family. So many deaths have hit us recently, it seems like. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, so what do you do about that? Well, I'm going to have a bad month. And, and we don't say that because we know it sounds squirrely. But we give ourselves permission to do that. And Paul, the apostle, the Holy Spirit, through this apostle is saying, Keep rejoicing. If you didn't get it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Yeah, but. And when we do that, we undo the simple power of the Scripture. We take away this absolute obedience that says, I'm going to do what it says and see what happens. Instead, well, and, and, and then we have people that will say, yes, that's awful, bless your heart, and please be sympathetic. I'm fixing to get to that right the next verse, but let's, let's, let's acknowledge to God, <clears throat> Lord, I am hurting like crazy. That doesn't scare God. He doesn't cease to be God Almighty when we say that. <clears throat> what the deal is, we used to have a phrase long ago in this church, God is still on the throne. And many of you have heard that. And part of what that means is, no matter how I'm suffering and what, what is going haywire in my life, God is still God. That's what that means. God is God. His plan is unchanged. His words are not altered. The promises are secure. It's going to happen. God is still God. So, and, and I know that, that some of you are thinking, you're just too hard-nosed. I don't think so. I, I don't think I'm hard-nosed enough sometimes. Not with you. We need to be hard-nosed with ourselves. Here's, here's how you manage that. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. By the way, in the original language, that <clears throat> the Lord is near can mean two things. That means, and we often, and I think perhaps this is the preferred interpretation of that, the Lord is coming soon. That, that's, I think that's what that, the preferred, well, I know that's the preferred thing among some scholars. But it also means the Lord is at hand in the sense that he's at hand, he's here. He's, he's not coming, he's here. The Lord is here uh, very near to us. So let your gentleness, and if we're dealing with each other, that's where the gentleness must come in. 
gentleness. Um, a mother who is fully functional as a parent or a dad and has this little kid and is gentle with them is, is a poor picture of, what the, of the way the Lord is. But it's, it's a step in the direction of how the Lord is. The Lord is gentle. And I know that we say, well, the Holy Spirit can be really, really tough. You know, some people say, oh, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Well, if that's what he needs to be, he is. If he needs to be a tail kicker, he will kick tail. Uh, He's trying to save us. He's trying to build Christ in us. He's trying to get the church where it needs to be and continue to function in the works that we have to do until Jesus does come. So the Holy Spirit can be very, very gentle And some of you, when you came to the Lord, probably had an experience where it was really, really kind of gentle. Now, some of you, the Lord got you by the ear and just drug you where you needed to be. Whatever it takes. I love that. God is trying to get us in, not keep us out. And if gentleness is what it's going to take, honey, gentleness is is defined by the way God is, unless that wouldn't work. And some of us are blockheads. You know, I lead the charge. Here we are. Some of us are blockheads, and we need to be had. And so the Holy Spirit's faithful, and I love that. That is so good. But in our case, let your gentleness be known uh, to everybody. Everyone, because the Lord is near. Then do not be anxious about anything. So if you're worried about something, uh, this, is the, this is the imperative also, and it means stop being anxious. Now, Dad would say to me, cut it out. Some of you grew up with that language. You know that means stop it now. And this, that's what this is saying. Stop being anxious about anything. And we know that. We say, well, I, I, I worried about that, and then the Lord fixed it. My worry didn't have anything to do except made me hard to get along with. At least that's what my wife said, and I assume she's right, or whatever we say. So, if we can put the worry over on the Lord. When I was a a kid about to enter into the ministry, I had an option to sing with some guys that were as poor as I was, but they loved gospel music, and they'd ask, they were going to form a quartet, and they actually did. And you know some of the names, um, they actually were picked up by the Stamps Music Company, and uh, Roger McDuff is a name that you gospel quartet people might remember, and Big John Hall, both of those guys were in that group, and they had invited me to sing the part that anybody can sing, but I, I, I could also, and so they invited me to do that, and my mom had invited me to uh, go with her and hold some revivals and help me get started preaching, because I had said, I'm, I, the Lord's called me to preach. She needed to know, they needed to know, and I was losing sleep. 
And that's not a smart thing for a kid that age or any anybody any age to do. And so I was in Houston on a, a choir trip with the group that, from school that I sang with and on a screened-in back porch. And uh, I got down beside the bed, and the Holy Spirit quickened this uh, idea, not this particular scripture, but the one in, in the Petrine letter. Uh, and I got down there, and I said, Lord, I am going to not worry about this. You said I could cast my care on you, and you would worry for me. If, you, if this needs to be worried about tonight, you stay up and worry about it. I've got to get some rest with that confidence that the Holy Spirit, you know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, and I was speaking the revelation of the Scripture at that moment, uh, those are such special moments, I crawled into bed totally unclear on what I was going to do, totally relaxed and passed out got a good night's sleep, and then made the right decision later on. And the Lord just had, he just walked me through that. But it was a wonderful experience. And if we can take the anxiety and say, Lord, I am so worried about, he knows that. So let's just go ahead and say it out loud so we get it out on the table. We know it's out there. And he knows we're trying to get serious about this. And then by prayer, and petition, two different kinds of prayer, which I'm not going to address tonight, with thanksgiving, make your request. Let them be known to God. Now, that sounds so simple. This is, this is what you would teach your child to do. And he's writing to the church, and the adults were the ones that were getting this message. So I think it needs to come to us, and we need to say, okay, Lord, Write that on me so that I look at the worries. Uh, we look at worries. It can be a physical threat. Uh, we, can, we can have a kid that's gone south. We can be struggling financially. We can be struggling in some interpersonal relationship. And, of course, if it's marriage, that's, that's a big deal in our minds. And you know what worry does? That just fixes it, Right? Please, please take me seriously. I know I'm, I, I flip this stuff out as if it's not that serious. It is deadly serious. Don't worry. Stop being anxious about anything. And then with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with the praise, well, what do I praise the Lord for? Well, praise the Lord for the pressure. Praise the Lord for the problem. Praise the Lord for the temptation to worry. Lord, I'm just, I'm just, I'm offering to just get down under this and just take on the load and just be punished. Thank him for that. You don't talk to him like that. I recommend you talk to him like that because he knows your thoughts anyway. And he wants the relationship of us just being clear. No walls. Come on in, God, is what you're saying. When you just be transparent, we say. Be transparent and let, say, Lord, 
if you really make all things work together for good, even this worry, this thing, and if the worst thing comes out of this, you can still make it work together for good, forming more of Jesus Christ in me. So I'm going to come out of this mess looking more like the Savior than I have ever looked. Now, you can praise God for that. That's praiseworthy. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. God has fixed it so that we can, can do what this says. Let your re- just present your request to God. Say, here they are, Lord. Help me out here. And the result of that stuff, rejoicing, uh, being gentle, stopping the being anxious business, doing the prayer thing uh, with thanksgiving, the result of that is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the original language, this will guard your hearts and minds. It's an excellent translation. It means we'll do guard duty. We'll, we'll be a sentry that does guard duty around your heart and mind. And when this worry tries to come back in, we'll challenge it. The peace of God. Has anybody ever experienced the peace of God when you really shouldn't have it? You should have been upset and the peace of God was just all over you. Have you had that? Now hold your hand up again, would you? Those of you that, have, that just struggle with having peace, look around and see these people say this is true. Thank you. Uh, and we know it's true because it's in the Bible, but it also happens to us middle Americans here. And this peace of God, uh, that's kind of what the Lord gave me that night that I, he, he gave me the revelation that, that he would worry about my decision that I just told you about, uh, whether to sing or preach. And so he, he gave me that peace. And I just, I, was, I didn't have a clue the decision, but I was totally comfortable in the Lord with a little smile and went to sleep. Now that's, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. You don't need more than that. In the first place, you know that if God's going to give you that kind of peace and help in the process, he's certainly going to give you the right decision. He's not trying to, he's not trying to trick you into getting out of his will. <laughs> you know, that's the way we, I don't know, we're weird. I hope you're not as weird as I am, but I'm weird. And I'll get this, like, it's the worst thing possible to have God's will. And it's like, say, what? You said, what? Jesus taught us to pray, will of God be done. And I, I have come to understand through the years that if I can get God's will, I'm home free. There is nothing as good as God's will. And that's been, that's been abused, and people have blamed God for stuff that he didn't do, and so the will of God is like, and, and it's even in the Scripture. Remember when Paul had been called to go to Jerusalem, where he was going to be arrested, imprisoned, and spend a long time in jail so that he could witness to all of these top dogs. Pardon the phraseology there, but that's, you know, that's just, you understand that. The brass in Jerusalem... In Caesarea, two or three sets of them there, all the way to, to uh, 
the Caesar in Rome. Happened to be Nero at that time. And all of the leaders in between, he gave his witness. And the Lord had called him to do that. And the only way to get to those people was through this door of suffering and imprisonment. And Paul, everywhere he went, there was this prophetic word that you're going you're to be arrested. You're going you're to be abused in Jerusalem. It's not going to be good. And so all of his friends, including the Luke, the, the writer of, of Acts, would try to talk him out of it. And when he was down at Joppa, just, just down the hill from Jerusalem, uh, less than an hour today on the roads, uh, took him a little bit longer than that to get there then, but uh, he was there, and here comes this prophet down from the church in Jerusalem, and, and Paul has on a new belt, a uh, woven, a fabric belt, and the guy takes his belt, ties up his own hands, and says, the Spirit says that the owner of this belt is going to be bound like this in Jerusalem. And so Luke and all the people there, all of the church leaders there in Joppa, try to talk him out of it. You know, don't go, don't go, don't go. Well, it makes sense. Wouldn't you do that? Hey, 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 Paul, let's talk here. Let's reconsider this. And he says, stop. You're breaking my heart. I'm willing not only to be bound, I'm willing to die in Jerusalem because he was bound in the spirit. He knew it was God's will. And he was going to go there if he had to go by himself with them kicking and screaming, going along behind him. He was going to go because he, he knew that God was going to take care of him. Now, he did suffer. And he witnessed to the commander of the Roman troops in Jerusalem. He witnessed to the high priest and all of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body in Jerusalem. He witnessed to... Felix and his wife in Caesarea to Festus and his wife in Caesarea to Agrippa, King Agrippa and his wife in Caesarea. And then he went off to Rome, shipwrecked en route. Not a good trip from being uh, uh, grabbed by the mob in the temple in Jerusalem. They finally got to Rome. But it was the will of God to witness to these. And see, we give our, we lay down our lives so that we can get the word out. And the only way the the word of Jesus Christ could get to these top leaders was through this legal system. No, they wouldn't listen to anybody else. They were way too insulated. And it, it would be like trying to, to witness to the top leaders of our country, uh, you have a message for, the, for this certain justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, the Lord's going to have to set up a way for you to get there because that's just not an open door where you can just call up and make an appointment. I need to see justice so-and-so. It's not going to happen. And that's the way it was there. And the Lord did that. Now, see, some of them were worried that night after all of this had gone on and and Paul had said, no, don't do that, or he, he, don't break my heart. I, I told you that story because of this line in there, however. The, the writer of Acts, 
Luke said, uh, so we gave up trying to dissuade him and said, the will of God be done. As if that's the worst possible scenario. The will of God be done. Oh, no, not that. Oh, no, not the will of God. What kind of a God do we have? What kind of a father are we able to crawl upon his lap and lean over on him and draw that peace right out of his being into our need? You see what I'm saying? We, we get all tied up in the flesh. I, I can't suffer. My kid can't suffer. My best friend can't suffer. There can't, you know. I, there's a gal that's in Springfield that I went to school with, and she married one of our classmates at Southwestern, and they went to Africa, and he died on the mission field. I don't know. You know, you can say, well, that wasn't God's will. I don't know that. I just know that suffering can come. And if it does, who's going to go through it with us? Who is going to have his peace do guard duty around our hearts and minds? Peter was, had been arrested. Uh, Herod arrested James in, the, in Jerusalem and, and beheaded him. And it, he saw that it made the Jews happy, so he arrested Peter. And there was a festival going on, and when that, when that festival was over, he was going to bring him out and do the same thing to him. So the night before he was going to be brought out, Peter was asleep, sound asleep. He was chained to a bunch of soldiers. I mean, they, they intended to have their little party with the shedding of his blood tomorrow. Peace of God was going around him. Guard duty. If you don't have that in your distress, cry out to the Lord. Say, Lord, show me what I need to do to get into this so that your peace is doing guard duty. It's your, it's your birthright. It belongs to the people of God. It's the kingdom of God. The, right, the kingdom of God, the scripture says, is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's ours. Let's stop I want us to pray together. Uh, I invite you to come to the front of the room and pray. And we've, we've been led and have prayed in a number of directions, <clears throat> and that's part of what this service is for. Thank you for participating in that, and thank you, Pastor Dennis, for leading us. And um, things are going to be different because we prayed. And I want us to do something now, uh, actually two things. Generally, what is on your heart that is not maybe just full of rest and the peace of God. Come and talk to the Lord about that and move over into that area where the Holy Spirit is actually, and it's called the peace of God, is actually doing the guard duty. Move over there. And then those of you that need laying on of hands, you need some kind of special prayer for someone you love and you want us to join with you in prayer, please come up to us for that. We will, uh, we will be glad to join you in prayer. May we stand.